describe myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. Because there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. On episode number two of season number two of the Hit By podcast, we've got a lot of catching up to do. I think we said that last episode, but boy, has a lot happened. Managers getting fired, teams going cold, teams getting hot. The Angels suck. The Braves are good all of a sudden. Uh, The White Sox, I don't know what to think of them. They should probably fire their manager. (laughs) Um, All kinds of stuff to look at. Uh, We'll dig into who's hot, who's not, all that good stuff. Um, And really get into the halfway point of the season, Lucas. It's, It's sneaking up on us. We're starting to see what the season's looking like. It's no more just opening stretches, no more small sample size. You know, like you said, we're getting to that halfway point. Things are starting to seem real. So, yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. All right. Let's break it down on the Hit by Pod. Will definitely needs to get that um, beat drop with the Castellanos in there. Oh, we got to – There's a deep drive fluid. to left for Castellanos. It's got to be fluid. There's got to be updates, you know, baseball. Oh, changed. yeah. The intro has got to change. We got to adapt with the game. God. Yes. Manfred needs to be listening in on this. Yes. Larry, before we get to the MLB, you're a man, you're a man of the minor leagues right now. I, I, think, I think you're a world-class, above-the-major leagues type of guy. But right now, professionally speaking – we're over in Beloit. So tell me about the Sky Carp. You, you, we were talking earlier, you spend your whole life basically eat, sleep, breathe baseball. So how's it been, uh, how's it been going for Beloit? You know, I tell you what, Lucas, I think last time we recorded one of these, I was talking about how bad the team was. Maybe I wasn't, but we started 0-7. We were one of the worst teams in all of high A. Mm-hmm. Over the last three and a half weeks, uh, we're one of the best teams in high A. It's incredible. Wild turnaround. They've won three straight series. I, I call them the comeback carp because <laughs> in the last three weeks, they've got, I think, four comeback wins when they were trailing in the final two innings by more than two runs, including an eight-run ninth inning at Quad Cities oh, two weeks ago. That's got to make it exciting for you. Dude, it's, it's a blast. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun uh, learning more Spanish by the day. Um, it's a lot of fun to be around these guys and, you know, really see the development. You know, it's easy to watch baseball in April with a bunch of guys who have never played in 45 degree weather ever before and think, Oh, wow, these guys suck. But, you know, to see the progress of a lot of these guys is really exciting. And that's kind of the best part. That's the point of the minor leagues is, you know, for these guys to struggle and then learn from it. And I think that's what we're seeing with Beloit right now. Yeah, no, the sky carp are taking flight. I think that's part of, like being a fan too and like part of the interesting you know profession that you're in you get to watch these games you get to experience like these guys careers I always think it's weird for me to see like as a fan in my lifetime see someone get drafted watch them make it to the pros you know what you know any sport really watch them succeed watch them even retire like watch a full career span like imagining you know whether it be a year from now two years from now six years from now when you see one of the first people that you're calling like make it to the major leagues and like watch their career pass. That's got to be interesting. I'm excited for that for you. Oh yeah. It's going to be really cool. I mean, like even guys in the Northwoods league and collegiate summer ball that I saw, I mean, uh, 
Zach Geloff is the one I remember. I saw him in 2020 and he's in triple A now. He's knocking on the door with A's. So, I mean, you, you see a lot of go, guys in college, see a lot of guys in the minors. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what's, uh, what's in store for a lot of these guys, not only on Beloit, but uh, around the league too here in a few years. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think uh, for me being a, a gamer boy, playing MLB the show the past few years, they always have like the prospect cards and the future stars. And at first I thought it was cheesy. Like they're, they're making these guys just as good as everyone else in the game. But it's interesting. Like when you actually like think about how the farm system works and like how much these guys mean to not only, obviously they're playing for a team trying to win games right now, but in the grand scheme of things, like it's all just a funnel to get to the major leagues and, and the talent floats, you know, whatever cream rises or I don't know what the saying is, but um, <laughs> that's how it works. So I don't know. I think I've become more of a fan of the minor leagues as I've, I've grown. And, you know, it's interesting to have a friend who, you know, calls games like that. So thanks Larry. I, I'm really glad that you got this job. You know what, Lucas, you're welcome. And uh, I got you on tickets whenever you want to come up. ABC Supply Stadium, man. It's thing there of beauty. That's thing what I was beauty. Um, let's talk to, First, let's talk first thing, before we dry, dive into, like, real current events, what we've missed, I was watching MLB Network tonight. Did you see the end of Miles Michaelis's no-hit attempt? I saw the, the hit. I did. Dude, that was so brutal. That ball that was, was so brutal. Like 35 seconds. <laughs> it was floating, just going. Oh, and it's like, yeah, you hate to see that. You hate it. I, I turned it on. Uh, I had MLB Network on for the last, you know, few hours because that's what you do in a hotel when you have a day game. Uh, just kind of sit around. But um, it they came on. They, they tuned it into the Cardinals call. And, you know, I'm obviously I grew up a Cubs fan. I don't really like the Cardinals, but Anytime a guy, especially like Miles Michaelis, you know, has a bid like that and his career journey has been so nonlinear all over the map, you know, you really hope he completes it. And there was that fly ball to center. I'm like, oh, Bader's going to track that down. No way he doesn't. He dove. He didn't make the catch. I literally said, oh, like I screamed. I yelled. I was like, oh, shit, I'm in a hotel. I should probably shut up. <laughs> but um, it, it drew a verbal reaction out of me. It was that brutal, man. That was tough. Yeah, an interesting one, too, because I, like I said, hadn't watched any of the game, honestly, just saw the clip afterwards. But they had already, I still to this point don't know how they scored the run leading up to that point. So it's not like it was the most, like, perfect, precious uh, no-hitter that we've seen. But, like, to your point, like, Miles Michael is just an, an amazing accomplishment for a guy who maybe nobody would have expected out of the people who are going to throw a no-hitter this year not many people are going to, you know, toss his name in that list. But sometimes that's the way it rolls. It's just whoever's got the hot hand. Cardinals, as a team, have kind of seemed to been rolling that way. It's like Goldschmidt, Arenado, they're taking turns as the best player in the league each week. It's it's pretty hot for them. Um, you know, dicing up the NL Central a little bit. Don't know how the Brewers are going to handle the competition, but it's kind of still like a two-horse race, as we've seen so far. Um, you know, we don't have to do too much of a division dive right now, but the Cardinals, they're hot. That's all I know. Uh, yeah, the, the Cardinals are hot and the Brewers are not. And that's really the bottom line. Milwaukee, what, one and nine in their last 10. That's a, it's not great. They've been tanking a little bit, but how you know it's, it's a really bad division is the Pirates are in third place. Huh. <laughs> that's so bad, dude. I didn't even realize that. that. Yeah. I just looked at the standings. I'm like, wow, the Cubs are really that bad. 
They have lost eight straight games. The Cubs have? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I don't even know if the Pirates Pirates realize they're in third place. They don't probably, want that. Probably not. They don't want that. They're, not, no. they're like two years off from wanting to be in third place still. Yes. Uh, their, their owner probably never wants to make the playoffs. Just got to save a few bucks. Yeah, seriously. Talking talk about owners, that's a great segue to talk about the White Sox. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. A bad owner who makes bad decisions based off of – friendships and uh, old men having weird relationships <laughs> and I think as a White Sox fan who tried to remain optimistic in the beginning of this who thought that there was some value in bringing a Hall of Fame manager into a young blooming shall I say team <laughs> um, I think it's time to cut the cord I think that I've seen too much the play on the field isn't like enough to warrant any of it um, the decisions, honestly, the decisions aren't even as bad as Tony defending the decisions. And, you know, if you haven't, if you don't maybe keep up with everything that happens in MLB, what I'm mostly talking about is Tony LaRusso's decision to intentionally walk Trey Turner after the count reached one and two, that is one ball and two strikes, to bring up Max Muncie who then proceeded to hit a game-winning three-round home run. Dude, it's so bad. He went then after the game and just defended that, saying, well, what would you guys have done? Not that. Probably would have thrown another pitch, I think. I don't know. It's just inexcusable, honestly. It's it's like he's managing a different game. So I've definitely turned, turned my viewpoint around on this situation. Um, it's disappointing, but I mean, hey, season's not quite halfway over, I don't think. So maybe it's not too late. I just need to see something new. Well, it's, you know, you look at the White Sox on paper right now, the fact that they're in third place. Uh, could you say that they're the most disappointing team in baseball this season? Because I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think like the Dodgers fans would tell you right now that they are, but like nobody really has written off the Dodgers. Like everyone, like, they're still above 500. They're still still a winning baseball team. The White Sox had expectations, you know, to not only make the playoffs, but win their division, probably the highest expectations to win their division across the league. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to happen as of right now. I would not take them over a single other playoff team to win a full series against. So um, I, I would say that, yeah, they're definitely the most disappointing from preseason expectations to where we sit right now. Yeah, it's not an ideal situation on the south side. And, you know, another thing is they've been getting very unlucky with injuries. So I think Jerry Reinsdorf has a lot of excuses to keep Tony LaRusso right now. That's the bad news for White Sox fans is okay. Um, you know, you look on paper – what have the White Sox dealt with all year? It's injuries, but then it's bad defense, Mm -hmm. bad base running, just bad plays. And that comes down to the manager, but the injuries have come first. Um, So I think in the end, I think that's probably going to cover Tony's ass. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see him getting fired, but it's obviously a non-zero chance, especially now. And going back to the walk on a one, two count thing. I mean, he 
reference some numbers or somebody referenced some numbers on Twitter. I mean, hell, Tony probably didn't reference any numbers, but um, somebody tweeted about how um, Trey Turner was a, a good hitter with one ball and two strikes or something. It's like, I do not care who you're pitching to, what they're hitting in a one and two count, what they're hitting in an O and two count. Why on earth? Why on earth would you even remotely consider walking anybody with two strikes? Yeah. I mean, it's idiotic. That just yeah. goes against all baseball logic. I mean, you're literally trying to reinvent the wheel. That's some stupid shit that Joe Madden would do. Yeah. That's you know, thinking too hard about it. Just get it out, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you're trying to reinvent something. You're trying to make something. You're trying to like, retire at the end of all this saying oh yeah i came back in 2022 and and popularized the two-strike walk to get to the person who's been disappointing in the few series before this like that is just ridiculous it's uh i don't want to say selfish but ignorant i would say like just i don't know yeah but we can talk about maybe a more positive team we'll talk about say not the most disappointing but the most surprising how about that? Let's uh let's turn the frown upside down for the baseball fans out there. I'll talk about, and I feel like I always mention this, whether it be good or bad, but holy shit, the Yankees are good. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's really too bad uh, how good the Yankees are. <laughs> but, I mean, Aaron Judge, dude, you, you want to talk about a guy who's literally betting on himself and taking a huge gamble and it's paying off. If he doesn't get injured, He's going to get probably the biggest contract in baseball history. I mean, this dude is on one right now, and Stanton's back at it again. I mean, when you've got those two in the lineup hitting back-to-back, that's that's horrifying for an opposing pitching staff. That's awful. Exactly. That is awful. Like they're, they're doing it on offense, obviously. Matt Carpenter Carpenter gets a career revitalization in just a week over with the Yankees. It's amazing what a short porch will do for you. But even on the pitching side as well, like Garrett Cole right now has their worst ERA in their starting rotation, and it's like in the threes. It's just ridiculous how consistently good they've been uh, starting pitching-wise. And, um, you know, Nestor Cortez, early Cy Young candidate, um, you know, a revitalization for him as well. He was with the Yankees before. I didn't realize that until I like I had no idea who he was until all of a sudden he was going out there tossing 12, 13 strikeout games. Um, so, you know, they're doing it in ways where you you knew they were going to spend the money. They always have that resource. But to see guys like Carpenter make a big impact, like Nestor make a big impact his second time around, um, it's like well, it's the type of thing that you see from like those teams, like it's the storylines that make the good teams go 45 and 16 through this point in the season. So, um, you know, good for them. I unfortunately saw them beat the white Sox uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was a lot of home runs though. So it's exciting baseball. I mean, they're just insanely good. Like I don't want to underestimate how good their lineup is. Their pitching is uh, it's a fun time to, you know, be a Yankee fan, I'm sure. But, I guess uh, I guess I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, Nestor Cortez has been must-watch baseball. I mean, just the craftiest pitcher out there right now, and he's not going to overpower guys. That's my favorite thing about him. 
is he's not like a Garrett Cole or somebody who's going to go out there and pump, you know, 97, 98, mm-hmm. not like prime Justin Verlander, but like he's going to keep you off balance constantly with the breaking stuff. I mean, your typical crafty lefty that is just much must watch TV right now. I mean, I think he's had what, like one bad outing this year. Exactly. Yeah. His last outing I think was his worst. And he's at the point right now where it's like, he's like intimidating enough. Like he's had enough of these games and he's been good for long enough where people know like they're going to have to, you know, they can expect to get diced up. They can expect maybe a high strikeout game. So they have that in the back of their mind. But at the same time, a lot of these teams are still like unfamiliar with him. Like he hasn't been that good for that long. So it's like, you know, it's like every time he goes out there, he's just in the hitter's head. And it's like, they already look uncomfortable from the very beginning. So, you know, be cool to see a guy like him win a Cy Young award that traditionally, especially lately, we just see velocity numbers go up. Um, strikeouts, obviously, he's still able to get that um, different ways other than velocity. But so, you know, just sign of the times. Cool to see. Cool to see. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I really, yeah, no kidding. Uh, winning one for the, for the folks at home, you know, us <laughs> average Joes. Um, but, I mean, you bring up a good point there we, we, with Velo's you know, raising or whatever and, and average velocity going up, spin rates, all that stuff. Um, there's somebody playing loud-ass music outside of my room <laughs> in the parking lot. Gotta love that. Uh, East Lake, Ohio's finest right here. Um, but I think that makes it harder on hitters when they run into a guy like Nestor Cortez. Yeah, the music's getting louder. There must be big Nestor Cortez fans. But um, when you face a guy like Cortez and then you face a guy like Garrett Cole, and that's so hard to adjust to on back-to-back days. I don't know if they're back-to-back in the rotation. Probably not. But, I mean, jumping from that velo, you know, up, you know, plus 10 miles per hour at times on the fastball, that's really hard to do. And that's probably another reason why the Yankees have been so effective. Yeah. It's like, you can't really imagine beating them in a series. Like, I guess this is just my pessimistic mindset I'm in right now as a baseball fan, but imagine like even a three game series having to face, um, you know, like you said, Nestor and Garrett Cole, and then Severino after that, who's got a little bit of the speed as well as the breaking stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, Two out of the three right there. That's a tough, you know, one-two right now. I don't know. Uh, across the league, if you can think uh, any other, like, top two with guys like DeGrom out. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's tough to handle. Yankees, like, top to bottom, I swear. Every time I think about it, it's, like, more impressive, honestly. Their bullpen haven't even talked about, but, like, every single person there. That's the bullpen that, like, I wanted the White Sox to have. And it's just, of course, that's how the Yankees are performing, so. Yeah, I don't know. Very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, don't don't say that too loud for all the Yankees fans. They'll never never uh, let you hear the end of it. That was the worst part of the game. Not even the fact that I lost, but just that I had to like be around Yankee fans. Like, oh, Ugh. they're the worst, man. They they are game. the worst. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's tough. Um, but a little White Sox Yankees beef, man. That, uh, that whole thing, I, I had forgotten about oh, that. Oh, that did happen, man. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> things that have happened. Oh, boy. Tim Anderson's life has been a bit of a roller coaster recently. Someone should, someone should check in on Tim Anderson right now. 
who is it howard ankin that does the commercials with him yes i think, yes. I think howard ankin needs to give old ta a call and see how he's doing because his <laughs> name's been out there a few more times than we'd like but oh man i don't like josh donaldson i think he's just an instigator he like confronted lucas giolito in a parking lot after a game i think he's just a weirdo he he just likes to be in the in the news and making a scene so i mean it was a weird situation because like that's not what tim got suspended for was it yeah he did get suspended for that for what for just like being in that no 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 after that he did no he did not he gave the bird wasn't it yeah he got suspended earlier in the season for flipping off fans in minnesota i thought it was maybe cleveland yeah um but yeah one of those sounds right but anyways then um, Donaldson got suspended for calling him jackie and it's just like i don't know you, <laughs> like you have to leave it for question whether it's like the right thing to say or not then you probably shouldn't be saying it and if it's like yeah. race-based and if there's beef like then you really really shouldn't be saying it so i don't know he's just yeah honest. you just got to read the room bro like are you an idiot and he said he thought it was a joke like an inside joke like, like, ah, usually if you don't like a person, you don't really have jokes with them. Right. You know, I don't, I don't get the logic there. I've never really been a huge fan of Josh Donaldson. And part of it is because he's never gotten along with the Chicago White Sox per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very dislikable, you know, if you're a White Sox fan. So I, he was already on the White Sox shit list probably. Mm-hmm. Um and to go and, you know, really take it a step further and really like kind of take it down to a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, not great, man. Not great. And it, I, the funniest part of that to me was he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I was disappointed that none of my teammates publicly supported me. Yeah, it's like, right. what, what do you expect them to do? Be like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we thought it was fine that uh, our, our buddy Josh was calling Tim Anderson a <laughs> – jackie robinson making fun of him like yeah that's fine that's just josh he's a jokester yeah he's, he's just like that real knee slapper there do you think uh ronald acuna and freddie freeman have inside jokes like that i wonder oh uh, they're they're allegedly fine oh really have we that's, i think we talked about that last last episode right i, I i'm still under the impression that it's kind of like maybe a little bit of a theory that maybe they're not you know Oh, yeah. In my head, at least. I'm going to keep that theory out there. I know maybe the Dodgers themselves aren't too happy right now. They're in second place. Half game back, the Padres, baby. The banged up Padres. The Tatisless Padres. Yes. That's crazy. How about about you, Darvish, though, man? He's like 30, 30 what now? 33, 34, maybe 35. He's shoving. It's good news for old bad news. Yeah, man, I miss him. I miss watching him pitch. I mean, the, the, oh God, the Cubs frustrate me to no end. Uh, that's why I don't really watch them anymore. I'm a Miami Marlins fan because that's that's just <laughs> much better. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, seeing him pitch so well, like you're really happy for him because he's so easy to root for and such a good guy. But it's so frustrating, dude. It's so frustrating because the Cubs had him under team control for a while and you know if they really actually wanted to win they would have hung on to him and it's just like 
it's one of those guys too. I was mentioning earlier. I don't know what makes me draw this connection, but I remember the whole U Darvish hype when he was like being posted or however that process goes to come sign with an MLB team. I remember him like coming into the league, signing with Texas, being insanely good, posting huge strikeout numbers everywhere he's gone since. He's just been, you know, ace of the staff type guy, super good, you know, for the most part, really reliable, some of the filthiest stuff out there. And when his career ends, like that's definitely one of the, like the pitchers of our generation. I feel like that you'll definitely have to remember, especially, you know, for Cubs fans having that connection, but I'm a U fan for sure. No, oh, definitely. And, and I, I got to say, I, it was so awesome to see him go into Wrigley field and just shove it. Yeah. I mean, that was like the ultimate, you know, if, if he was capable of giving the middle finger to the Cubs, which he <laughs> never would because he's just too nice, but right. On behalf of you, Darvish, that's that's a middle finger right there to the Cubs. I mean, geez, dude. Oh, God. It's it's so frustrating. I read a, a great column in some sometimes during the Cubs Cardinal series a few weeks ago that they mentioned on Sunday Night Baseball um, about how the Cubs should want to be the Cardinals every year, which is so bad to say, but it's true. Um and it started off, it was masterful writing by whoever wrote it. Um, they started off and said, you know, you ever read a book that's like, oh, yeah, they, they wrote that book to try and make it a movie? That's what the Cubs are like. <laughs> like, it just, it just doesn't feel right. It feels off. They went and won that one World Series, and all of a sudden, nobody's investing into the on-field product. Hmm, oh, but we've got another hotel across the street from Wrigley Field. Like, oh, great. But um, we're in fourth place behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, it's it's so seeing another so unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. So, so frustrating. Like abandoned ship. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it because. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not even going to get into it, but we all know where the Cubs are going right now. It's frustrating South. to see like a quarter of the league operate under the basis of like just being a business. It's like there's half the league that's like, okay, you know, they play by the normal cycle. Like when we're good, when we've got the influx of talent, you know, we can make the moves, go compete. Awesome. Maybe we'll win a World Series. There's the teams who always have the money, you know, the Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, they're always competing. And then there's the teams who have no interest in competing whatsoever. They'll like sign a player. And I don't want to say that's like where the Cubs are at because, you know, they did win one pretty recently. They've had good teams, you know, playoff. I don't want to say runs, but, you know, they've made the playoffs in the past two years. So, you know, whatever. But at this point, you're not even really celebrating the wins. You're celebrating like the moments in a bad way. Like you're celebrating like the – the cool sack fly that you just remember because you were watching like there's not really any thing to look forward to throughout the season like none of the high prospects have been called up and that's not necessarily a knock on the Cubs or anything they're just not ready it's just you know the time frame and they do have a lot coming but right now it's like they knew that this period of time you can't tell me that like they haven't planned with the roster that they have now that they haven't like known that this exact type of team was coming. And I'm I, that's not even much of a statement. Like, yeah, they probably do, but disappointing. You hate to see it, you know? It's stupid because they're not transparent. They keep saying like, it's not a rebuild. It's a retool. It's like, okay, so would you rather actually rebuild 
and you know go go all in and try and get some top draft picks or would you rather be in purgatory and fourth place behind the Pittsburgh Pirates I, I don't know I think I'd rather have a clear direction as to where we're going um, and just be honest about it because I, at the end of the day I really think that it seems like the Ricketts think Cubs fans are stupid mm. like they're going to show up no matter what and honestly they kind of are stupid. It's either the Cubs fans are stupid or people are going to show up no matter what. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, People are so used to losing and having mediocre teams that they're just going to show up to Wrigley Field no matter what. And people are going to make their money and um, the vicious cycle will continue. So it's, uh, it's too bad. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even think it had to be that way. The Cubs fans have always been some of the best in baseball. Like you could have easily spent, like, had you not, obviously I'm not talking, I'm talking to ownership here. Had you not spent all that money around the area, you know, new bars, new this, new that, the fans would still be there. Like, you know, the, the team would be better. The, I mean, it really doesn't make that big of a deal. Cubs fans are a massive group of people. Like, they're like, like you said, they will just show up to games. Hell, I went to a Cubs Cardinals game, Sunday night baseball. I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but I spent like 60 bucks on ticket and drinks there because it's just fun to watch a baseball game. And it's even more fun. I probably would have gone to another Cubs game this year if they had a couple of really cool players and, you know, were a first place type team. So I don't know. It's like, it didn't have to be this way. No, it, it absolutely didn't. But Hey, you know, at the end of the day, we've got our little uh, Monopoly fantasy world around Wrigley Field um, that you can go and spend all your money in, and all that money is going to go to um, what's that one soccer team they're trying to buy um, that I won't watch. So, you know, good for them. (laughs) Seriously. Happy for them. Happy for the soccer team, I guess. I don't know. Do they want this? Do they realize? Do they, you think like the soccer fans of whatever team it is? And honestly, I have no idea, but you think they're thinking, God, how sorry is it to be a Cubs fan right now? I don't want this. Like if Reinsdorf was trying to buy the Bears, I'd say, no way. Please no. Holy Jay, that's awful rotten. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <Oy>, Ricketts, eh? <laughs> God. Oh, God. Do you think there are baseball fans in Britain? I, don't, I honestly don't. I don't know. Cricket. Different mm. sport, though. Yeah, it's – I don't know. That's that's a story for another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. They need um, to go down to the Beloit Skycarp, I think. That's a good place to start for the old United Kingdom folk. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Skycarp. I mean, people people from the United States have a hard time understanding what that is. I can't imagine what people from Britain would think. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll let that we'll let that one slide. Um speaking of of the glory days. Um, Joe Madden out in Anaheim. Yeah, it was about time. It was about time. Actually, it was the perfect time because Joe Madden thought that he was being funny and cheering up and shaved his head in the mohawk to lighten the spirit and then got fired before he could even show it to the team. So I think in a way, like he knew it in the back of his head that it was coming. He, I mean, I don't know. I just say that as a joke because, in all honesty, I've only heard that it was a total surprise to him. But I mean, when you have the players on the Angels that you have, when you have the talent there and you go on a stretch like that, 
something has to happen. Like you can't just expect to, okay, guys, we got this all of a sudden. Okay. You're a good team again. So I don't know. It's interesting because, and I've thought this way, you know, throughout different sports. Yeah. Maybe the head coach needs to go, but is like the next guy any better? I think in baseball, it's tough for me to tell a lot of like the, um, managers who take over for the meantime, interim or whatever, um, they're like handpicked by the manager before them. You know, they're like a, almost a carbon copy of the manager before them. I think in certain cases like Tony Larusa, you're getting a shell of it. You know, it's it's much less of a copy and it's much less of, you know, I think there's more room for someone to work away from that old style where everything is wrong, by the way. So, you know, it makes sense. But it's interesting, you know, I'm interested to see how the Angels will go on from this, if it's going to actually like make an impact or maybe if it's just never going to happen for them, you know what I mean? Because I don't know what what it is that will get them over the edge. Like what's the next best, next best option from here? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. For me, the game of baseball, in my opinion, you know, you look at other sports, you look at the NFL, the head coach calls the place. They install the system. They do what they want. And they literally control the direction of the team. They can say, okay, we're going to run the football a whole lot, or, okay, we're going to air it out. In basketball, you can have a head coach that says, okay, we're going to center our game plan around these players. In baseball, it all comes down to execution. Mm-hmm. It is, I would say, more than 75% on the player's execution whether or not the players just simply play well. Mm-hmm. The manager controls how they organize the batters, whether or not they walk batters in a one-two count, <laughs> um, when they bring in bullpen pitchers and how they organize the rotation. So it's just like, I don't know if firing Joe Madden was the answer in Anaheim. I think you got to do something when it gets to that point in desperation when the Angels have two of the most generational talents in all of baseball and haven't done anything the last four years, you know, with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, it's hard to keep coming up with excuses. So I understand why Joe Madden was fired, but like you said, I, I just don't know what the answer is. And then on the other side of it, it's just sad to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was never, I was pretty critical of Joe Madden when he was with the Cubs, but just a good guy, very likable, easy to like. And, you know, that just, oh, God, the Mohawk thing made me so sad. Like, I, I heard that story. I was like, man, dude, that that stings. That hurts. Poor Joe. Because, I mean, he started his career with the Angels. It would have been really cool if he would have been able to right the ship out there, you know, make the playoffs a few times, maybe win a World Series and then him retire with the Angels. That would have been really, really cool. Um, but now, I mean, he's cut loose, which is it's tough. It's sad to see, really. Yeah, definitely one of the more transparent, like, people still left in the league, too. Like, I feel like as a Cubs fan, you know, like, he just will answer any question asked to him. Like, he's very honest about his approach, about decisions and why things happen and so like I do I'm in that same boat like I I wanted to see him succeed I never wanted the Angels I know I never want to see a team with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout lose 12 games in a row like I don't want to see that for baseball I don't want to see that for those guys' career and 
now like obviously the impact of it's Joe Madden losing his job it's like now we're just in in a lesser state than we were if they hadn't lost those games it just you hate to see it you really do and I say that semi-sarcastically because it's just I don't know I am kind of tired of just like I have always thought Mike Trout's the greatest player like of my lifetime for sure but like and I'm not I'm in no way right now doubting that but like I would love to see him on a playoff good team and it's just I don't know if I'll ever see that like how how can I live that life it's so frustrating because it's like okay what if Mike what if Michael Jordan never made the playoffs you know it's like okay great player for 82 games and then you know he's going to play golf in the offseason and everybody else is playing it's so frustrating and obviously you know Michael Jordan and Mike Trout is not exactly an apples to apples comparison considering the two different sports and the two very different personalities um but it's I think a lot of people in baseball are thinking that in that sense, like we need to get this guy into the playoffs. Let's expand the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably not going to work even this year. So it's, um, it's tough to see a talent like that in a sense wasted. Yeah. Larry, one of my favorite things about just talking baseball with you and like doing these podcasts, I'd say is like answering a lot of the questions I come into here with just talking to you, talking through some things. It's nice to hear another person's opinion. I'm sitting here thinking, God, Mike Trout, Mike Trout needs a team that's playoff ready, but just needs something more. And, you know, I am a fan of a team, actually, um, the White Sox of Chicago, um, Illinois, here in the United States, who probably could use another outfielder. I don't know when the last time we had player managers in the MLB was, but I I would do a lot of things (laughs) to get Mike Trout setting the lineups on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> really? Really? I mean, this this is topical. Look, Mike Trout isn't even a very good fantasy football commissioner. <laughs> what makes you think he'd be a good manager? Because I want him. Oh, God. Yeah, I think he'd be a, a good million dollars. I want him to be a good manager. And that's enough for me. Be a better manager than Tony La Russa, probably. Exactly. It's like he'd probably just go slap him on the ass and say, play ball. And that's all we need. That's all those boys need. He oh, won't man. be potentially walking anymore, and I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, you wait till the end of the season. Um, Albert Pujols retires. Tony La Russa coincidentally retires. All of a sudden, Albert Pujols is the manager of the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> I, could, things could be worse. Things could thinking, be worse. I was thinking Tony might move in with Albert. I was thinking they're going to rekindle their their bromance now that Albert's Albert's a single man. So Tony takes some time off from the game. I think there's a little love going on. Larry, <laughs> now these that's are, a theory. These are the storylines we need to be talking about. Uh, that and fist fights over fantasy football yeah that's what the people want yes definitely tell you what you know uh heard joe girardi's looking for a job yeah maybe uh maybe he'll get on a flight over to los angeles i heard joe madden's maybe in the philly cheesesteak tonight so who knows maybe they'll just do a little wife swap you know you do feel bad for all these guys yeah i 
Joe Girardi, another guy you like. Uh, Peoria Paul. guy. Oh, yeah. Didn't know so, that. Uh, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe he could go to the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, he's at least more in touch with today's game, I'd say. Like, he's managed more present-day teams than Tony La Russa has. So, step in the right direction, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I mm, looking at that Philly situation, I really don't think the manager was the problem there. Right. I mean, you handed Joe Girardi a team that could hit the ball but could not pitch. They have Aaron Nola, and that's it, and that's starting rotation. They have nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what you expect him to win games in that division with the reigning World Series champion and the New York Mets? Yeah. Their, Good luck. Their issue was that they were too uh, offensively loaded and like not very good on defense or pitching. And their solution was to get better on offense and not very good at defense or pitching. So um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Works when it's truly not broke, but. I think uh, something had to change there. Yeah, I mean, they uh, they ripped off a nice little win streak there as soon as Joe left. Which yeah, is, exactly. I mean, it's funny how that works. Uh, it didn't work out the same way in Anaheim, but, you know. <laughs> That's uh, the immediate feedback that you're looking for, though. Yes. So, you know, the Angels are going to call up Joe Madden and be like, hey, actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, we just wanted to try something quick. You want to come back? And then they're going to fire him again and then just keep praying for that post – Post fire win streak. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, Answering questions, Larry. That's what. Yeah. We you know, we're we're just coming up coming up with solutions. Um, <laughs> what else have we missed these days? I don't know. Um. Should Blue we Jays. Kinda... We got some all star lineups being mm-hmm. tossed out. Give there. me Jazz Chisholm right now. Yeah, man. Whoa. We're talking about some beef. I don't even. Oh yeah, yeah. Would agree. How about that? Yeah, that was that. Of, that whole thing was weird. We kind of alluded to that episode one, talking about Acuna, kind of in the same boat, where people are talking about him not doing it the right way, showing up the game, kind of not taking it seriously or as seriously as some people would hope. So interesting to see, you know, after that kind of gets talked about briefly, or you know, kind of surfaces a little bit with one superstar, you see it happen with another one, and. So it's interesting to note that it's like the opposite mindset of what like we all want the game to be headed towards. Like we want that out of players. We want them to have personality and, you know, we want to see their skill showcased, uh, you know, and I feel like jazz is a good example of that. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have to work with them every day. I get to be on the good side of just watching his highlights and, and, you know, not having to go through the grind. So it's just baseball. I think you're always going to have those two types of people, but, you know, let the, let the people be. That's how I feel. Live and let live, man. Um, it, honestly, it surprises me coming from Miami's locker room, which is pretty young. You've got a few guys on the older side, Aguilar, Jorge Soler, guys like that, who are definitely probably the leaders in that locker room. Um, but I don't know. It's surprising, you know, for a team – in a place like Miami, you need a guy like Jazz Chisholm um, to kind of have a flair for the dramatic and um, yeah. really have a big personality. He fits right in in Miami, if you ask me. You know, when you think of Miami, you think of Jazz Chisholm. Exactly. So it's important to have players like that. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you know, we don't have to work with him every day. 
and nobody really truly knows what things are like behind closed doors. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys are prima donnas. A lot of guys are drama queens. Um, there are a lot of egos in a major league baseball locker room. And that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. What would the Marlins be without jazz chism? I think they should be a little more appreciative. They don't realize how good they have it. I think they're more frustrated that obviously El Garcia sucks and is fat now. So that again. He's not making any uh, home run robbing catches these days. Yeah, no, not anymore. Can't even get his arm in a full circle to throw anybody out. It's a lot of wasted money. Oh, man. You know, it's tough because the Marlins, like, look on paper. I think they've got the infrastructure there, but things yeah. are still just a little shaky. I, um, a guy like Derek Jeter. Well, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, uh, that whole thing is weird. Uh, speaking of behind closed doors, you know, that really makes you think. Like, okay, right. I, I don't like the direction of this team. What is that supposed to mean? Like, uh, they just don't, don't want to win? Yeah, that's what I took from it. That's uh, bizarre. It's really strange. I, I won't say too much about it. Um, I don't think sad. that would be very good. Another sad part of the MLB, but that's understandable area. I can imagine why you wouldn't want to want to go down that route. Hey, all I know is the future's looking bright. I mean, you got they got some dudes in the system, so that's what matters. Yes, they'll be fun in like four years, which is just what Marlins fans want to hear. Larry, I love that. It's like we almost have to start and finish with the sky card. A little bit, I guess. I guess we didn't. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? I mean, not my world, really. Yeah, right. Seriously, yeah. No, I don't know. We'll probably have another uh, All Star All Star show for sure. Closer. Oh, yeah. to That time. All Star voting. Oh, how about my How about my guy Joe Davis, the voice of the World Series on Fox, official. Oh yeah, there you go. There's there, a there's some news together. I could look on Twitter and find that right now. Yeah, you could. It's it's actually my lock screen on, on my phone. That's pretty dope. And so. I do mention that when I tell people about the story of you, like winning That's big the job. Time. That's it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, All Star Game. That's his big uh, first big event. So I'm I'm excited to watch that because I think he's he's an exciting voice for baseball. So Seriously. that'll be fun. Yeah, no doubt. Well, is that it? Yeah, I don't think I got uh, too much else, Larry. I'm excited to see if anything changes on my end the White Sox end. Um, but for now, you know, I just enjoy baseball day by day. There's some good baseball being played somewhere. Yeah. It's, um, it's competitive baseball somewhere, as they right. say, exactly. uh, there's always meaningful baseball being played somewhere. So might as well enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. No doubt. Well, I think that, uh, that'll wrap up season two, episode two, the hip hop pod. Yes, sir. See you next time. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. Because there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run.